comes through. But, but it, it isn't a wind. It's just the sound of a wind. Apparently, it was like the old, you know, horror movies where they're going into the haunted house and you hear this, this sound like this horrific windstorm, but, but there's really no wind going on and they can't figure it out. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just bizarre. You know, sometimes uh, people that are in a tornado, when they're telling what it was like, I've heard many people say, you know, it was like a freight train was just running right through the middle of the house. It was just so loud. Well, I've never been in a tornado, so I can't vouch for that. But I did, I did serve a church once on the west side of Fort Worth, a little church that was, the, the building was located right next to the runway of the old Carswell Air Force Base. And on Sunday mornings when they were having maneuvers and those B-52s would take off, they'd roll down the runway and lumber into the air. And man, it was deafening. And if you were trying to preach, you just had to stop for a minute or two because nobody could hear a word you were saying. And I expect that's something like what it was. It may have sounded something like this. Listen. That's the sound system. But what if there wasn't such a thing and you heard something like that? But not only is there this this awesome, horrifying sound that goes through the place, you see something that you've never seen before. There's this fire that comes into the room and it splits into all these pieces and, and part of it just rests on every person in the room. Only they don't get burned. It's kind of like Moses in the burning bush. It's, it's fire. It's burning. But nothing, nothing burns up. But it's there on them. You hear this sound. You, you see something you've never seen before. And then just to top it all off, people start talking in languages that aren't their languages. They've never spoken them before. They've never even studied them before. Now, you've got to admit, by any, any standards, this is some pretty bizarre stuff happening, right? And they had to be wondering, what in the world is going on here? What's going on is God is fulfilling the promise that Jesus had made to them about 10 days before when he said, you stay here until the Spirit comes, until you receive this, this power. And it was the perfect time to happen because it was the day of Pentecost. Now, what do you think of when I say Pentecost? Well, as good 21st century Christians, we think of this day right here, right? But a, a 21st century Jew or a 1st century Jew or anyone in between didn't think of this day. They thought of another Pentecost when God came down. You see, Pentecost was the holiday that marked the time that God came down to the nation of Israel centuries before. Remember when we were going through the study of the story last year, we were in Exodus, the children of Israel were in, in uh, Egypt, they were in slavery, they were in bondage there, and, and they cried out to God, God heard their cry, and he sent Moses to deliver them. 
And, and to kind of help Pharaoh decide to let him go, he had ten plagues come. And the last plague was the death of the firstborn of every living creature. And the only houses that were spared, that curse, that, that death, were the ones that had the, the blood of the lamb over the doorpost and on the side. Because when that happened, death passed over that home. And that was the first Passover, which, which is celebrated every year, just like Jesus did. Well, after that happened, Pharaoh let them go. They made their way out of Egypt. And 50 days later, which is what Pentecost means, that literally it's 50 days, 50 days after Passover, they came to the bottom of Mount Sinai. And now that was kind of a wild scene as well because God's presence came down. Listen to the description of that in Exodus 19. Thunder roared and lightning flashed and a dense cloud came down on the mountain and there was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn and all the people trembled. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire and the smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln and the whole mountain shook violently and the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder. Moses spoke and God thundered his reply. How would you like to have been there? Well, Israelites really didn't want to get too close to that, okay? I mean, they said, Moses, you go up and you see what God wants. We're going to stay right here because that was really, really scary. And so Moses goes up. He talks to God. God gives him on those tablets of stone, God gives his law. And, And it ushered in what we call the Mosaic Age, that, that was under the law of Moses. From, from that Pentecost until this time here in Acts 2. Because in Acts 2, there's another Passover, you see. The last Passover in Jesus' life. Only in that Passover, it's not the blood of a, a goat or a sheep but the very Lamb of God that was given. And, and it, it was the Son of God himself who was offered in our place. And 50 days after that Passover, there was another Pentecost. And God came down again. This time, nobody had to go up to the mountain like Moses did. This time, God came down into the very room not with the law written on tablets of stone, but he came to write his law on the hearts of the men and women who believed in Jesus Christ and to give them his spirit. And like that first Pentecost was really wild, this Pentecost was marked with some pretty wild stuff too. Look at verse 5 in Acts chapter 2. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. Well, I guess so. We would do that today. We hear a a, a crash or we hear an explosion or something like that. We go, go, hey, what's going on? And that's what they did. They came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Luke lists about 15 different languages. And there may have been two or three times that many. We don't know. But there were... Passover and Pentecost, there were people from nations all over the earth that were there. And everyone 
heard them speaking in their own language. It probably sounded kind of like this. Watch the screen. And in the last day, God will let from my geest uitstort op alle vlees. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your younglings shall gesicht zien. And your old men shall dream a dream. Tlakua, siku jamishu, asema mungo. Nika wang manya, watu wote. Roho yangu, nyawana wenu nebenti zenyu, watabiri. Nyaviyana, wenu watona. Mayano, ne wazi, wenu watota, ndoto. Avrà negli ultimi giorni, dice Dio, che io spanderò il mio spirito sopra ogni persona. I vostri figli e le vostre figlie profetizzeranno, i vostri giovani avranno delle visioni e i vostri vecchi sogneranno dei sogni. In den letzten Tagen spricht Gott. Will ich die Menschen mit meinem Geiste fühlen. Eure Söhne und Töchter werden aus göttlicher Eingebung reden. Eure jungen Männer werden Visionen haben und die alten Männer bedeutungsvolle Träume. Dios dice: En los últimos días derramaré de mi Espíritu sobre todos los hombres. Entonces, sus hijos y e hijas hablarán las palabras de Dios. Sus jóvenes verán lo que Dios permita que vean. Y sus ancianos tendrán sueños. Nos últimos dias, diz Deus, derramarei o meu amor sobre todas as pessoas. Seus filhos e suas filhas profetizarão, os jovens terão visões e os velhos terão sonhos. Deus me permitiu, no último momento, o que eu fazer. Eu vou fazer o que eu fazer. Dans les derniers jours, dit Dieu, le répandez le monde esprit de toucher. Vos filles et vos filles professeront. Vos gens jonseront des visions et vos vieillards auront des songs. Now, if you speak Afrikaans or French or Portuguese or Spanish or German or Uh, Swahili or Farsi, then you understood at least one of those people. But in case you didn't understand that, let me read it to you in English because it's in chapter 2, verse 17. This is part of Peter's sermon, and he's quoting the prophet Joel. And this is what every one of those people said. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. But they all heard it in their own language. So we've followed the scripture. We've had an interpreter when somebody spoke in tongues this morning. That's part of the sermon that Peter preaches, and he begins that in answer to the question that everybody is asking. They're freaked out. They're saying, what's going on here? Some people decide, oh, they're just drunk. And Peter says, no way. That's absurd. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Nobody's even had a drink. 
And then he goes into explaining what's really going on. And he starts with Scripture. He starts at a place that they'll respect. This is what Joel was talking about way back then, hundreds of years ago. This is what he was talking about. This is the fulfillment of that prophecy that he made. And he starts with that, and he proceeds to tell them that the point of everything that had been going on with Jesus was to demonstrate that Jesus really was the Son of God. He really is the person that God sent to be the Messiah. And because of that, they got a problem because they didn't receive the Messiah. They rejected him. They betrayed him. They crucified him. Then he concludes with this climactic claim in verse 36. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Now, if you're seeing all this amazing stuff happen, and then the the guy who is the leader of all these people doing this incredible, miraculous stuff, he stands up and says, look, guys, you just helped kill the Son of God. I mean, that's going to hit home, right? And it does. <clears throat> the Bible says Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said, what in the world are we going to do now? And he answers, verse 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. In essence, Peter is saying, look, Jesus didn't just die because of you. He died for you. So stop trying to have this relationship with God based on all your religious stuff, based on all the stuff you're trying to do because you're not going to get it. You're not going to get there. Instead, trust in him. Trust that he is the Son of God, seated at the right hand of God's throne right now. And just believe that he will make you right with God. And and demonstrate that faith by being baptized into his death and his burial and his resurrection. And, And God will give you his spirit too. And and he he goes on. He doesn't just stop there. I mean, after all, he is a preacher. Verse 40 says, with many other words, he pleaded with them. But the end result is some 3,000 people became followers of Jesus that day, believing in him, being baptized into his death, receiving the gift of the Spirit. Wow, what a day. Okay, but that was then. What does that mean for us? Well, a couple of things. First of all, this is a phenomenal example of the unstoppable power of God. Just absolutely incredible. The power that that permeates all through this book of Acts, the story of the church. I mean, here's a group of roughly 120 disciples who are kind of lost. They don't know what's going on. They don't know what they need to do. They don't even know what they're supposed to do or how they're going to do it. They don't know how they're going to continue. They just know Jesus said, you hang in here until you 
receive what I've promised you. And then the Holy Spirit shows up and everything changes. There's signs and there's wonders and, and, and Peter tells them about Jesus and, and thousands of people give their lives to Jesus Christ and they never, ever look back. They just kept going from there. So here's our question. Do we really believe that what God did through them here, he's going to do through us today here? Do we really believe that? You know, ever since the Spirit came in this incredible way, how the Spirit works, the gifts, the actions of the Spirit has been hotly debated by believers all over the place. And there's so many questions we have about the Spirit. I mean, how do you, how do you receive the Spirit? Does everybody get the Spirit or, or just certain people? And if I get the Spirit, how do I know if I've got the Spirit? If I get it, can I do some, some, some special things? I mean, does it, does it empower me to do that kind of stuff? And, and, and is everybody filled with the Spirit or just the charismatic types? And, and if we do get filled with the Spirit, does it stay or do we have to get refilled with the Spirit? I mean, all of these questions that maybe we're not even brave enough to ask anybody or even verbalize to ourselves about how does the Spirit work. Truth is, we have a million and one questions. For a lot of us, we were taught to believe that we receive the Holy Spirit, just like Peter said here, we receive the Holy Spirit when we're baptized. But just don't go thinking he's going to actually do anything. Okay, getting him is enough. Maybe, maybe you can relate to that. We were, we were taught that it's okay to have the Spirit in principle. You just don't want him in practice. You just need to be real kind of cautious about anybody that thinks the Spirit's going to do anything in your life. Now, don't get nervous. I'm not suggesting we all get into ecstatic utterances and snake handling and healing people, just quit going to the doctor and just pray. But folks, it's past time. We stop trying to put God in a box where we decide what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. And let him only do the things that we're comfortable with. Hear people talk about all the time what they're comfortable with. Did you know God's not really all that concerned about your comfort? He's concerned about you becoming like Christ. And sometimes that's very, very uncomfortable. Did you notice how the Spirit showed up here at Pentecost? Luke says, suddenly... This is not what they were expecting. I mean, they were anticipating anything but what happened that day. You know, God may be ready to act in your life or in my life. But if I get enough boundaries and enough little pigeonholes that I think God has to work in, I may totally miss what the Spirit's doing in my life. Or worse yet, I may explain it away because it doesn't fit in 
with what I'm comfortable with, with my little boxes. When we decide that we're going to tell God what he can and cannot do and how he will and will not do something, we're treading on some pretty dangerous ground, folks. On the other hand, when we decide that we're going to be open to however God wants to work and however the Spirit wants to act in our lives, that feels kind of dangerous too. You know why? Because when we decide that, we're no longer in control. And we don't like not being in control. We want to have everything just so. Now listen, I don't have all the answers to all the questions you have about what the Holy Spirit does and how the Holy Spirit operates and all that kind of stuff. And it's okay. You know, there was a time I thought I was supposed to. The older I get and the more I learn, the more I realize you don't have it all figured out. Honestly, when we think we do have it all figured out, we know exactly how the Spirit is going to work in every situation with every person and everyone has to, has to go along with just exactly the way we think it and experience it and understand it the way that I do. When I get there, I'm really not following what Jesus taught. You see, back in John, when Jesus was talking to this guy named Nicodemus about the Spirit, John 3 and verse 8, here's what he says to Nicodemus. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. We can't explain it even if we try. And all you got to do is look at the New Testament to understand that. I mean, here in Acts 2, there was the sound of a wind, and it's what looked like fire, and people start speaking in all these languages they didn't know. Well, a few chapters later, over in Acts 6, we're going to read about how that there were some men that were filled with the Spirit, and then the apostles laid their hands on them. And then two chapters later in chapter 8, we're going to read how the Samaritans were baptized, but they didn't receive the Spirit until the apostles laid their hands on them. But then two chapters later in chapter 10, we look at Cornelius' story, and we're going to see that he receives the Spirit not only before somebody lays hands on him, but before he's even baptized. When we start deciding, we're going to have to tell God how the Spirit can and cannot work. Well, if you want to do that, you got more chutzpah than I do. Maybe we need to go and look at this fresh and see what God was doing and what, God, what God's idea is. And that's not even mentioning all the different gifts of the Spirit that Paul talks about and says, well, this person got that and this person got that and this person got that. Let me say, we got to close. So let me just, let me leave you with, a couple of ideas, two bar ditches we need to stay out of in relation to the Spirit. One is to decide that we have to believe or not believe this or that or the other about what the Spirit is going to do and how the Spirit's going to work in our lives. Because when we do that, you know what that's called? It's called religion. See, religion's all about us. 
It's what we do and how we do things and what we have down and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't leave a lot of room for God. And there's probably nothing over the years that has done more to thwart and to stymie the work that God wants to do in the world and in the lives of believers than a good dose of socially acceptable, politically correct, powerless religion. Because when we have to think that we're in full control, then we don't really honor God. We need to avoid that, folks. But there's another bar ditch, and that's becoming mm, sort of spirit junkies, just always looking for the next spiritual or emotional high, where that's what it's all about. You see, God by his spirit can do what he wants. Can the spirit lift us to a high? Sure, if he wants to do that, if that's what he chooses to do. We don't tell God what he can do and not do and how he can do or not do it. But when we get to where what our focus is is about that next spiritual high, and not honoring Jesus Christ, our Savior, I think we missed the boat. And that's not what was going on here in Acts chapter 2. With all of these incredible things that were going on, you know what the focus was? You know what the point was? It's exactly what Peter told them. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for you. It wasn't, hey, come on, join us. You can get your jazz on too. It was Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that's our focus today. However the Spirit works, whatever he empowers us to do, we have unstoppable power to lift up Jesus Christ, bring people to Jesus Christ. Let's stay out of the ditches. Let's be open to the Spirit of God, but let's, let's not get all hung up on that. And I think we'll see some incredible blessings that God has for us. God's unstoppable power was at work then, and it's still working now. May God help us to be open to it. Let's pray together.